Bernie was really proud of uh, a lot of the work that he did on the radio, but he was also incredibly proud over the years at some of the television work that he did, especially on Fox News every week with Bill O'Reilly. He would uh, not let anybody in his life ever miss those segments. It was something he put a lot of work into it, and you could tell because it came across as entertaining and as insightful as can be. And then I know he was really proud to call Bill O'Reilly a colleague when he joined our lineup, and now you could hear him every night at 9 p.m. He joins us now. Uh, Bill, tough day for everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, it's my honor to uh, talk about uh, McGurk. I always call him by his last name because that's what Irish guys in New York do. And um, if you'd permit me a couple of minutes, I want to bring some perspective uh, to Bernie McGurk's life because I've lived pretty much the same life. So uh, he's from an ethnic Irish um, home in the Bronx. My uh, father is a Brooklyn guy, and uh, he went to Cardinal Hayes High School. I went to Chaminade High School. We played each other in sports. Same environment, pretty much the brothers were trying to shape up these uh, kids who could go either way, uh, discipline, no BS. Um, Then McGurk, uh, Yonkers, that's where my mother's side was. And uh, so we had all kinds of intersections in life. But the main one was this, and, and New Yorkers are a special breed. We all know that. Uh, we're not like everybody else in the country, and sometimes the country doesn't like that. But we are uh, a people of straight talk. And so uh, that's what McGurk was. And uh, I put him on television uh, with Gutfeld. It was Gutfeld and McGurk, as, or as McGurk would demand, McGurk and Gutfeld. And they were two together, and me. And we would just kick it around, a fabulously successful uh, segment. And then he took that edge and he brought it to WABC. And when we think about Bernard McGurk's life, um, the capstone of his life was the enormous success that he had with Rosenberg. I mean, I've said this before, and I don't blow smoke at anybody, and you guys at WABC know that. Uh, What Bernie and Sid have done in the morning is unprecedented. It's never happened, not only in New York City, I don't think anywhere in in the United States. You take a station that was basically over, okay, in the marketplace, number 22 or 3, Katsimatidis buys it, Lopez is there, they uh, reconfigure the talent, and now in the morning, it's number one. And McGurk, obviously, along with Sid, drove that, drove it. And the success that um, he and Sid had was a source of pride, because Ethnic Irish guys, Jewish guys, Italian guys, Polish guys, African-Americans, Hispanic, doesn't matter. The success is driven on one thing, hard work. That's what binds us all together. So nobody ever gave Bernard McGurk anything. Nobody ever gave Bill O'Reilly anything. We didn't have any uncles in the business we didn't have any uh, pathway to a Mercedes-Benz unless we bought it with our own money that we had to earn. That kind of a mentality, that kind of a lifestyle, if you will, is what separates 
working people from, I don't know, you use the adjective, from people who kind of feel entitled in life. Well, where's mine? Give me this. I want this. You don't hear that from us. All right? So we go to work. And we do the best we can. But I want people to understand who never met Bernard Goldberg, um, that Goldberg and I, we had this relationship, but it wasn't based on, like, hugging or, I mean, it was just like we knew that we had shared experience. And that experience wasn't that easy. It was a little turbulent in the Bronx. I was in Levittown, which was a lot lighter than the Bronx. And But we knew that we were, A, honest. There was no BS. BS is not allowed in our precincts. I mean, you get, you know, people, I, can't, I can't even describe it, but if, if there's somebody in the circle where you're, whether it's a restaurant or something, and they're just spouting nonsense, everybody just looks at them, and they just shut up, they know. And so McGurk was a unique uh, Irish Catholic New Yorker, he came from where I came from. He succeeded magnificently on his own. I mean, obviously, WABC helped him, but he had to do it on the ball field. He had to come through on the ball field, which he did. And I think that uh, this is a sad day for all of us uh, who love McGurk. But I think what we need to do is now pivot on to we were privileged to know him. And that's my summation of Bernard McGurk. Uh, well, well said. I mean, uh, Bill, he would talk repeatedly about how of all the people that he ever had in studio, I don't know if it was your height, I don't know if it was your ratings, I don't know if it was all the best-selling books, he said you were the only guy that he always found a little intimidating. Uh, so it, even though you guys have a lot of shared experiences, you certainly had a, a special place in uh, in his heart and in his brain. But w- w- I look back at those segments that you did, they still stand up just as well today uh, as 10 years ago. Uh, how funny was McGurk? Well, he, McGurk had this sardonic humor that, again, New Yorkers understand. Okay, so Gutfeld was throwing one-liners at you. He he writes them, and he's he, and they're good, and he's been very successful. But McGurk is more of a uh, he he was observant. All right, so he he look around and then he just crush it. And I remember McGurk uh, on Imus one time. I was on Imus uh, occasionally, and Imus did not really like me very much, um, which is fine. I mean, I'm kind of used to that. <laughs> and then he's given McGurk segments over. Segment was good, but, you know, I don't take any guff from Imus, and I, that's what Imus wanted. He wanted you to kiss his butt, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so um, after the segment's over, Imus is railing about me, and I'm, I'm a dimwit or whatever he's using, you know, hideous, I think what the word was. And McCurdy, on the radio to his boss, goes, hey, O'Reilly's a national treasure, okay? Standing right up to Imus, shutting him up, all right? He just was silence. And he didn't have to do that. McCurdy didn't have to do that. That's what they call speaking truth to power. I don't know if it's – I'm not a national treasure, but McGurk wasn't afraid of anybody. All right? He's not going to pander to you. And that's the kind of guys I like. So I'm, I'm on the D-Day beach. Who do I want in my foxhole? McGurk. Right? 
And that, to me, is the measure of a man, that you can depend on him, that he will tell the truth, that he will do his job, that he will respect his family. Those are all the values that I have, and they were handed down to me by my parents and handed down to McGurk by his parents. Now, Bill O'Reilly, Curtis Lou here. Uh, I remember you way back in Portland, Oregon, when I was starting the Guardian Angels out there, and you were newscaster there, you know, you were the anchor, and I'm sure you felt that you were in a box because you couldn't be the person that you eventually became, being able to do so much commentary. I always felt that way about Bernard McGurk with Imus. He was in a box, and then when suddenly he was teamed together with Sid Rosenberg here at WABC after John and Margot rescued this station, it was magic. We got a chance to hear Bernard McGurk in all of his forms, not just the comedic side. The guy was so well-read. In fact, when I was recovering from... from, uh, colitis, ileitis, and chronic Crohn's disease. He gave me a whole pack of books that I read while in recovery. Great stuff. He said, you got to read these books, Curtis. Uh, I know you can't move, but this is great stuff. And he was, we got to see the all-round Bernard McGurk that you didn't often get a chance to hear or see on the Imus in the Morning Show on TV or on radio. No, his job was to produce Imus. Imus did not want to be upstaged, and I understand that. Um, and McGur- uh, McGurk did it well. But let me, let me say, uh, throw one more thing in there. Um, the reason that WABC has succeeded um, in New York City is one word, authenticity. It is an authentic station made up of authentic people. I mean, how many times... Does everybody turn on a television set and watch various programs, and you know these people are phony. You you know they are trying to tell you what they think you want to hear. And you, Curtis, in the political realm, I mean, you see that all day long, okay? But WABC has managed to put together a lineup where these people on the air are authentic. And that's – and I told – Rosenberg and and McGurk, when they were ascending on WABC, when the ratings were going up, and I said, this is why. Yeah, you guys are funny, you're glib, you you have a point of view, you're not afraid, you're you're saying what you want to say, and all of those things New Yorkers respect. But the big thing you have is that people listening to WABC know you're like them. It's a shared experience. You're like them. And the other Rosenberg thing, Rosenberg from Brooklyn, and and that's your success too, Sliwa. Yeah, that's all I mean, that. you know, you come in and people go, hey, "Sliwa, we know who Sliwa is. He's not going to, uh, you know, come in and uh, and do any ridiculous stuff. We we know what we can depend on. So authenticity is what McGurk had, and that is the hallmark of ethnic homes in the New York area. Yes, Casamitides. He comes over and he's Greek. All right, and, and and there's a culture there in the home, and, and it's not like you start to walk in and, and, and act, you know, with airs or you know, with a dopey accent or use stupid cliches. It's not what we do. And so the authenticity that McGurk brought, along with his uh, intelligence and his wit, 
uh, once you got that package on the air, then you're number one. Uh, Bill O'Reilly, that's what uh, we all do, and uh, it, it's about our we respect our heritage, we respect our culture, and we're fighting hard for this November 8th, uh, Bill O'Reilly, that they're not going to change America on us. We want America the way me and you and, and Curtis and Frank Morano and Chad grew up. And so did McGurk. McGurk was McGurk. appalled. He was absolutely appalled at the crime in particular. And so am I and so are you. And, and we're, we're saying to our fellow New Yorkers, the only people who can stop this are you. And you can't keep voting for people who are going to put you in danger, who are going to exploit you, who are going to lie to you. And there's no reason on earth that 3 million people should be leaving New York State. So you've got to wise up. But McGurk, the final thing I want to say, I know we're up against the clock here, is that he just couldn't abide phonies. <laughs> In some of my conversations with him, he'd say, what about this one? On Fox News, he'd go, what about her? Or what about him? And I would tell him. I said, look, McGurk, you can't be quoting me, but, you know, if the person was a phony, I'd and he'd go, I knew it. You know, be, we... Because I, I identify with Bernard McGurk. We can't abide that. We want honest, genuine people, and that's what Bernard McGurk was. Bill, uh, finally, you've seen in media and politics a lot of people face adversity and then make some uh, pretty tremendous comebacks, and even more people have had failed comeback attempts. Uh, Bernie McGurk, with the incident in April of 07 with the Rutgers situation, a lot of people thought his career was over in media. Turns out it was just beginning. Wondering if you could talk about uh, what kind of uh, what kind of stick to itiveness, what kind of intestinal fortitude it takes to come back from being mocked, being pilloried, called a racist, and then come back to do the number one news talk show in the biggest market in the country. Everybody makes mistakes in life. Um, and um, we live in an unforgiving time where uh, people exploit those mistakes. But if you understand the neighborhood, that's the key to McGurk's comeback, the neighborhood. So when we're growing up as kids... You had a fight, and you get knocked down. And what do you do when you get knocked down? Call for mommy. You get up, and you go on. And most of the time in the neighborhood, you make friends with the person who knocked you down. But Irish, Catholic, New Yorkers, yeah, we're going to take it. We have to, but we're not folding. We're not going to fold. You go on. You go to work. You absorb the punishment. This makes you stronger. Bill, thank you for yeah. calling in. Bill, uh, Bill, it's a tad. One second. I'm sorry. I Irish Catholic New Yorkers. But let's not forget a very good boxer, Bernie was. <laughs> That's for sure. He had to be. <laughs> That's for sure. He, he, he showed Sid what's up. Uh, if you want to check out Bill O'Reilly's new book, Killing the Legends, it's already a bestseller. You can check it out at BillOReilly.com. There's signed copies available as well. And, and he's on every night from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock, the number one show on WABC right. Radio uh, at night, uh, Bill O'Reilly. Thank, Thank you, Bill. Bill. When we come right, back, guys. When we come back, it's the untold story, how in the interim, 
when they put Bernard McGurk and the Imus show on the shelf after the Rutgers situation. Bernie, they wanted him in Boston. And then he's going to be a morning talk show host there. And then all the very people that he had helped over the years to get on the Imus in the morning show turned on him, stuck him in the back with a shiv, and prevented him from having a show of his own. I'll tell you the story because I was up in Boston at the time. Right here exclusively on the day we commemorate the passing of our friend, our colleague, Bernard McGurk.